When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, it's Dan, and welcome to our Friday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. And today, Mary Kay Cabot, Scott Patsko, Ellis Williams, and I recap Brown's training camp practice. Now, before we do that, we got into the Josh Allen contract and how it impacts Baker Mayfield and what the Browns might do with a possible extension for him. And then we get into what we saw on the practice field here at the team's facility in Berea. Make sure you're subscribed to Football Insider because if you're not, you've missed all sorts of stuff already. You've missed texts during, before, and after practice. You've missed daily newsletters delivered every day to your inbox, and you've missed access to exclusive stories on cleveland.com slash browns. So go to cleveland.com slash browns, click the blue banner at the top of the page to get information and get signed up. And stay tuned later in the podcast, I'm going to tell you about our special virtual Orange and Brown season kickoff event on September 1st. So stay tuned for that. But now, here's our Orange and Brown talk podcast. Here we go on a Friday on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. I know for all of us on the Zoom call, it does not feel like a Friday, but it is in fact Friday. The Browns' first of three practices uh, leading up to the third practice will be their scrimmage on Sunday. But we're going to talk about something not directly Browns related, but it is Josh Allen signing a massive, massive contract extension today. Uh, We've discussed this before. It's kind of all about these dominoes falling and Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson uh, were those dominoes. So he's going to be in Buffalo for a long time through 2028. Mary Kay, this was just enormous. I think it worked out to what 40, was it 43 million per year for Josh Allen? Yes, it's absolutely $43 million a year for Josh Allen, which makes him the second highest paid quarterback in the NFL uh, from an average standpoint behind Patrick Mahomes. And it increases uh, the the most recent contract by Dak Prescott, which was $40 million a year. And that shows that that's not an outlier then. Really, the bar has been set now for franchise quarterbacks signing their extensions at that $40 million range. So that's kind of where I'm sure the starting point is going to be in negotiations for Baker Mayfield's camp. Uh, It would behoove them to wait and let Lamar Jackson do his as well, because it'll be interesting to see if Lamar, who actually represents himself in some ways, uh, is going to top what Josh Allen was able to make or come super close to it or get the same thing. But if these two guys are getting $43 million, Baker Mayfield is not going to want to settle for a bunch less than that. Uh, So therefore, uh, this will be interesting now to see 
how and when this happens. If uh, if Lamar does his sometime soon, Baker could get done before the season still. Uh, he could also go into the season and it could all also stretch into the offseason. I don't see that happening, happening, but there are a lot of different ways this can go. Scott Nellis, do either of you see Baker being willing at all to come in below or significantly below this number? So if it's not 43, you know, maybe he comes in at 42 or something. But I mean, could there be a could he still come in in the 30s or should we just not talk about that even? I've become so numb to the dollars at this point, <laughs> really. I, you know, I mean, the Browns and Baker are going to do whatever works to get it done. And we've learned that the Browns value things their own way, right? They, they pay what they do to tight ends because they, they have a lot of value in, on this team. And they, they paid Dick Chubb what they paid him because even though you have Kareem Hunt, there's Dick Chubb's important to the way this offense works. And, um, wherever the number comes in, none of that's going to matter on Sunday when you're playing, you know, I mean, the, the bills certainly have to think that they're right, that Josh Allen is what we saw last year and, and not the quarterback that, you know, we saw sometimes in the journey to get there. Um, everybody hopes they're not signing the next Carson Wentz, so to speak. And <clears throat> that's what makes me think that, you know, it would be so smart for the Browns to wait until after the season, but, I think Mary Kay's right. I doubt that happens just because you just that just starts to, I think, make people kind of tense. And that's certain that, that the Browns certainly don't need when it comes to a quarterback. This feels like a timing issue, not in the fact that what's holding it up, just the issue of what the number will be. If it happens soon, I could see it being sort of what we alluded to with Nick Chubb, where he, you know, Nick Chubb is under. Christian McCaffrey, Alvin Kamara, Dalvin Cook, and for good reason. I mean, you guys went into detail about, you know, him not being that complete threat of a running back, but him still being perhaps the best runner. And then again, taking what we'll call, you know, a friendly team contract. Does that mean Baker Mayfield slides in at like Jared Goff money at 38 under slightly under 40? I'm not sure. Then if they go into the year unsigned and Baker starts playing well, which I highly anticipate it feels obvious this is the best old line he'll probably ever play with the most stacked receiving core he'll ever play with. These numbers are going to be, have a very serious potential to be robust for Baker. Then advantage Baker as you get into the season and it could start looking like a Kirk Cousins, Dak Prescott situation. Not that there will be any sort of standoff. I'm just saying Baker betting on himself and that paying off. And that's where the numbers will land. It, it, it all depends on when and until a couple more dominoes fall, we're just not going to know. And that Baker taking less than Josh Allen would, I think, compare to Nick Chubb admitting like, okay, I'm not, I don't need to be number one. It's not a huge deal, but I am one of the best in the league at what I do. And let's find a, a happy above medium, if you will, meeting place. I think it just speaks to the complication of this contract too. Yeah. You know, Nick Chubb was pretty easy. It seems like, um, you know, you were going to pay him somewhere in that Derrick Henry range, maybe go a little above that. They end up, uh, you know, coming in a little below that, but it was still in that neighborhood. I think Denzel Ward is honestly pretty easy. You know, if you're going to extend him, you're going to make him one of the highest paid corners in the league. And, and that number is pretty much, you know, what are we talking? 85, $90 million. You're probably not going to go to Jalen Ramsey level, but, but you're somewhere in that range. Quarterback contracts are just really hard. And we've seen it over and over again, even with 
you know, some teams bailing on these quarterbacks they've extended, we're still just seeing this market get reset every single time. And for the Browns, to be honest with you, it probably behooves them to get this thing done sooner rather than later because we still have Lamar coming. Aaron Rodgers could be coming up next year. I mean, there, there's going to be guys coming up, and I, th- I think you might want to stay ahead of that as, as these numbers start to balloon. But, um, <laughs> you know, Andrew Barry knows what he's doing. But I do wonder if, you know, if this maybe hastens their, their sense of urgency a little bit. Because, Mary Kay, didn't you report that there hadn't been substantive talks of yet? Yes, that's, I was just going to bring that up, you guys. Um, as of today, they still have not had substantive talks about this contract. And part of the reason why they haven't is because uh, the bar needed to be set by Josh Allen and to a certain extent, maybe Lamar Jackson, but Lamar is going to come in pretty close. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I think that, that the bar with, with Josh Allen might be enough to, to hasten things, but I still think that... Um, in a perfect world, the Browns would like to let this go into the season so that they can see Baker for about one full year in the Kevin Stefanski regime. They haven't seen him in a system for a year yet once the lights came on, okay? The lights didn't come on until midway through last year. So they have half of a season of a body of work under Kevin Stefanski. These other guys that are getting their extensions have been in the same system. They've had the same coaches. They've had the same coordinators. They've been able to build on what they did the year before. This is the first time, as we all know, that Baker Mayfield is heading into the second year of the same system. So this is what everybody kind of wants to see on the Brown side. You know, let's see what he is in the first six, seven, eight games. Uh, and from Baker's side, if it goes that way and it goes that long, what they would be trying to do is say, hey, we deserve just as much money, right? Baker deserves just as much as Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson. He's just as good as those guys, and he's going to go out and prove it. And that is why Baker Mayfield says, I like to bet on myself, and I believe in myself, and I'm not rushing anything. So it kind of could work both ways if they if they try to give it a little time and see what he can do. Now, there's an injury risk there, too. Um, so, you know, if the Browns wanted, wanted to try to get something done before the season – you know, that's the card you play there that you head into the season and you could end up in a Dak, Dak Prescott situation where you have a serious knee injury. And then what happens? Um, he still got paid, obviously, but it is a setback and you just never know how those things are going to go. So, again, no substantive talks yet. Uh, this will get the ball rolling in some way, shape or form. Uh, and three things can still happen. It can get done before the season. It can get done, I would say, somewhere around the trade deadline, sort of mid, midway through the season, or they can wait and do it after the season. So we just don't know yet. Well, the, the most significant thing there is you didn't throw out the option that something won't get done. Something's right. going to get done. <laughs> it's just a matter of when, and it's just a matter of, of ultimately what that number is, is going to end up being. And for Baker Mayfield, He's probably thinking if he can go out and have sort of the season Josh Allen had last year, kind of have that that full breakout year, he's he's going to be able to cash in that ticket uh, in a big way. And you know what? The Browns will be happy to pay it. And I, I think that's the that's kind of the bigger point here. The Bills were happy to pay Josh Allen. The Chiefs are happy to pay Patrick Mahomes. If the Browns believe this guy's their quarterback, they're going to be more than happy to pay him whatever it costs. 
you know what, let me bring up something, one other thing here real quick, if you guys don't mind. Yeah. Uh, and that is most of these guys that have gotten these big extensions and are getting these big extensions lately have something in common. They are dual threat quarterbacks, most of them. They are running and passing the ball. They're scoring touchdowns with their legs and with their arm. So I just have to wonder. I don't think it's going to impact negotiations that much, but um, you know, you just almost have to wonder if uh, if that's going to enter into this whole picture at all. I don't know. I think Baker had the top receiving and uh, receiving grade on the Browns last season. <laughs> I think you go into negotiations and lead with that. Yeah, I mean, yeah there you go. At that toe tap, was it in Tennessee or Baltimore? I can't remember which game it was, but yeah, he had, he had that toe tap. Okay, let's get to what we saw in practice, and let's stick on Baker here because, Ellis, I know that when you were out of practice, you had an opportunity to see Baker and, and Odell Beckham working together. We talked so much about the chemistry between those two, and Kevin Stefanski, I thought, said something really interesting. You know, a year ago is when I remember him first saying it, but really it's, it's a, a reoccurring point of emphasis for him, and he considers – just straight up reps the best way for a quarterback and receiver to get on the same page. Of course, Jarvis Landry and Baker have those reps. Rashard Higgins and Baker have those reps. We've detailed at nauseum that Baker and Odell just do not have those reps. So today, right after the, the team situation portion that starts practice, Odell and Baker just took you know 50 yards of the field to themselves and worked exclusively one-on-one on a lot of intermediate stop routes. We're talking deep outs, deep curls from the slot position and then some double move stops all predicated on timing. And while I was watching that, I thought maybe Jarvis would get a rep or Higgins would get a rep, even just to give Odell a breather, but that wasn't the case. This was exclusively Baker and Odell. They probably got eight, nine, maybe 10 balls in 10, probably on the high side. And it was both a a pace drill. like, Like Odell was, you could tell he was revving up a little bit, not by no means is he running hundred percent. I'm just talking about the, the break in between reps. They were trying to give him that pace and then just the routes themselves, the timing, it looked pinpoint bakers was putting balls right on the money. And to be clear, there's no defense here. This is all on air, but it was cool to see just Kevin Stefanski carve out special time for those two to work as Odo Beckham juniors in full gear. We're talking helmets, shoulder pads, pants, the whole thing. And they look good. Of course, no defenders, but you got to start somewhere, right? And, and this seemed like a first level step for something they've probably been doing you know, in the offseason and whatnot. But for them to get out there and do that training camp today, I thought was significant. Yeah, you know what? I've seen him do the same thing a little bit with Austin Hooper, too, uh, just to take some time doing that. And those are two guys that I, that I really think that, um, that he needed to develop that timing with last year. He didn't really have it uh, with either one of those guys last year. Uh, but to see Odell, as we talked about it the other day, you guys, that one of the biggest surprises of camp has been so few reps between Baker and Odell. So to get them together off to the side like that and to just get them working on the timing and ball placement and where do you like it on your on your body for this route? And, uh, you know, how do you, you know, where do you like to make your break on that? Um, you know, just to get them going on those nuances is going to mean so much. Yeah, it's been one of the biggest storylines of the offseason, right? Are Baker and Odell going to get on the same page? It's what football outsiders listed as their most, uh, their biggest storyline they were concerned about, you know, their chemistry or just Odell by himself. And, you know, we're, 
what a week into camp and we've yet to really see them in team drills together. Um, so, you know, I guess it's good that they're doing that on the side, but I, how long does this go before, before Kevin Stefanski starts getting questions every day about it? And I'm wondering what he would offer as insight there other than just, you know, they're, they're working on it and, and don't worry about it. But at some point, these guys got to get on the field together, I think, and go against live action. And, and it, it's not just the, the chemistry and the timing on passing. It's also just what Odell does when he doesn't have the ball and everything that's involved with that. You know, it's, he just does a lot when he's out there. Quick question. Do any of you guys lean one way or the other of what Scott's saying, that Baker, Odell, first time being on the field together for live reps, being in that third preseason game, or is this a week one thing? I mean, if I don't, I don't think we're going to see Odell in the preseason. Right. I'd, I'd be shocked if we saw Odell in the pre. I'd, I'm not sure how much we're going to see Baker in the preseason, to be honest. Um, but I, I would be surprised if we saw Odell at all in the preseason. Well, you know what? Odell has lobbied to not have to play in another preseason game in his, his entire career. And if there ever uh, were a time to have a good excuse not to have to do that, it would be this preseason when he's coming off of a torn ACL. I mean, you would you can make a really strong case that this is the year that you absolutely don't want to do that. So I wouldn't be surprised if they 100% keep him in that bubble wrap for all three preseason games. Yeah, and it just goes along with everything else they've done this camp, right? When, when are we going to see Grant Delpit? They really, really kept him out of stuff and uh, kept him in bubble wrap. So, yeah, it stands to reason that we're not going to see much of Odell during the preseason. If yeah, I mean, this coaching staff is, is so careful, and, and they've been so careful all throughout camp. I just don't think that's going to change once the bullets start flying. And, and look, we all saw the chase play pool play where he makes that diving catch and is on the ground. And that's a scary moment. And if you lose chase Claypool in the hall of fame game, you never want to lose a guy, but, and you definitely don't want to lose a guy in a preseason game. And, and these guys are so competitive. Sometimes it's hard to kind of flip that switch. So, uh, you know, even though it doesn't appear that's anything serious, it makes you think about what could be. So I, I wouldn't be surprised that this coaching staff is too careful to, I think, mess with that stuff. Hey, everybody, it's Dan. Before we get back to the podcast, let me tell you about our virtual orange and brown season kickoff event taking place on Wednesday, September 1st from 630 to 8 o'clock p.m. Join Mary Kay Cabot, Scott Patsko, Ellis Williams, Doug Maurice, and Terry Pluto, along with me for in-depth discussions, team analysis, a live auction, and surprise cameos. Tickets for the event are free and can be reserved through our event page, which is going to be linked in this podcast. There's also a special VIP experience. Enter for a chance to win tickets to a special smaller group of VIP experience with Browns alumni players and Cleveland.com sports writers. Now, only 150 tickets are available for this special experience. So to enter the ticket sweepstakes, you got to visit that event page. And again, that's going to be right there in the description of this podcast. So, be a part of our Orange and Brown season kickoff event taking place Wednesday, September 1st from 6.30 to 8 o'clock p.m. One more thing to talk about today, and that's our favorite topic on this podcast, Mac Wilson. But he certainly has earned, uh, has earned this right to be talked about. He's had a very good camp. And today, Scott, I know you were over there listening to him. I know you have a story up on it already. Uh, but Mac Wilson talked pretty honestly about how frustrating last year was for him. Yeah, you know, he... 
I think the last time he actually talked to reporters might have been the bye week last year. And he mentioned how at that point he said, yeah, I'm 100%. I feel great. But he admitted today in not so many words that that really wasn't the case, that it was a really rough year for him. He never, after the injury, he never felt like he was back to where he should be. You know, he just, he wasn't making plays that he was used to making. Um, and it was frustrating. And while he didn't say he was depressed, uh, he said that he went to a dark place and really started to question whether or not he wanted to play football anymore. Um, so fast forward to today and he's in a great place. He's having a great camp and, you know, he, a couple of things happened. He, he kind of worked his way through the, you know, being down on himself by talking to his family and, and, and then he found out before the chiefs game, he was going to be a dad. And of course we all learned that on Wednesday, uh, he, his son was born. So he kind of went in the off season with this kind of renewed motivation and he lost weight. He got leaner. He added muscle. He became best friends with Anthony Walker and tried to soak up as much as he could from him and just came to camp ready to go. Not having to worry about getting in shape, not having to worry about getting his mind right. He just came here and it's all about football. And coach Starver said that that's like, that's the perfect place for him to be just focused on football and, and so far it's paying off. He's kind of the first team guy uh, in reps. And I don't know if any of us really were anticipating that right off the bat. So it's been a good camp for him. He seems to be in a good place. And yeah, we'll see if that carries over into the regular season. That's the, the real true test. But uh, Mac Wilson is, is, is your starting, uh, is one of your starting linebackers right now. I mean, yeah, Mary Kay, you've, I mean, you've consistently reminded us, like, don't forget about that injury last year. Yes. I was just going to mention, if you listened to the podcast yesterday, we, <laughs> we really hit that angle very, very hard because, uh, you know, again, just being out here and watching that injury last year and just seeing how bad it looked and having him have to miss the rest of training camp. And then the first, whatever was, uh, whatever it was like four games of the season, it's tough to come back from that. It is really tough. And you know that he was pushing it. You know that he was pushing it to get back out on that field and that he probably wasn't really, really 100, 100% ready to get out there and be himself yet. So uh, that's really cool that he talked about that today. And um, it was just something that, I, that had been on my mind, just thinking about uh, how we kind of just overlooked the impact that, had, that that had on his season and why he just didn't grade out the way that he wanted to. Yeah, and year three or four really can be the season for an NFL player that they figure it out, grow into that complete pro, find out what's important to them, specifically for Mac, clearly his son, growing his family, and then, of course, being a part of the Browns football team and making plays out there. And this team has a chance to develop some young cornerstones from places that you wouldn't often expect. Uh, of course, we saw what happened with Wyatt Teller a year ago. Dan wrote a great piece on Wyatt this morning. As that contract looms, Wyatt has a chance to take, you know, and not even another step, but just more solidify himself as one of the better guards in football. Mac could come, I don't want to say out of nowhere, but again, surprise us and perhaps turn into a linebacker of the future here. And then you've got a guy like we've been talking about at nauseum and Donovan Peoples-Jones emerging as probably the future of this wide receiver room, not to get ahead of ourselves, but you guys get the theme. That's these, these players are 
striving and soaking up everything this coaching staff is giving them. And I think that's a testament both to the, the young men we're talking about, their devotion to the, their craft, uh, but also, of course, the coaching staff and the educators inside that building and then their ability to translate it onto the field. Uh, Mac Wilson seems to be another guy in that line of player development that's going real well for the Browns. And real quick, that that's how you stay good. Think of right. how many times, I mean, that's how the Steelers and the Ravens have cycled in players, you know, over and over. They, their stars kind of fade out and then they have new guys, young guys uh, kind of come in, usually guys they drafted, and kind of take over those roles. And the Browns, it's been a long time since they've been in that situation. And, and like you said, Ellis, it's there, there, it seems to be the potentials there for that to happen with this team. Yeah. I'm oh, oh, sorry, Dan. I expect more comp picks rolling into Cleveland through these next two, three years. It seems that way. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, I mean, the motivation Mac really needed was the Browns traded up for a linebacker in the second round and they drafted another linebacker. I mean, that's, and, and look, here's his opportunity because neither of those guys were ready at the start of camp. So you got to take advantage of that. All right. I think that will do it for this edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. For Ellis, Scott, and Mary Kay, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening, everybody.